Hello, and welcome to Shelf Check, a podcast about books, pop culture, and Westward Ho! Shelf Check comes from Arlington Public Library in Arlington, Texas. I'm Miranda. I'm Mark. And I'm Tamara. So let's talk. All right, we are talking Western today, a favorite mm. of Miss Tamara here. Oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> I grew up with them. And I've seen I've seen a fair amount of films. I've never really read a lot of Western literature, really mm-hmm. much at all. Maybe a couple things when I was younger. Mm-hmm. How about yourself, Mark? Um, I didn't really. I think my main exposure to Westerns was turning off Gunsmoke when it came on at 6 o'clock. That's nice. Yeah, because it, it, it didn't really resonate with didn't me. Didn't grab you? I didn't, didn't understand it. It just seemed kind of hmm. old-timey. Um, but so they, you weren't you weren't a kid to play cowboys? No, I mean, you know, I, I was in Kansas and we were on the frontier, and so you know there was some of that. But um, I mean, a, a stick in the yard is obviously either a bow or a rifle. Um, you, you know these <laughs> things, you know, growing up in Kansas. But um, yeah, it, it wasn't something that, that immediately drew in drew me to it. But uh, it, it's interesting as we can, looking into what is a western, I realized that. Um, I've been enjoying westerns my whole life without even knowing it. Exactly. So that's a little foreshadowing there. Yeah. Now, actually, I, yeah. <laughs> I will say that I was a lot more literal than than the uh, background western that Mark mm-hmm. has enjoyed in his life. But I grew up around um, uh, the westerns on TV and in movies. I can give you a list of my favorite western movies. I can tell you what TV shows I watched. I've read a couple of the books, too. Um, a Magnificent Seven TV show as well as mm-hmm. a movie. A couple of movies. I've only seen one. But uh, uh, Calamity I've Jane. I've both of those. <laughs> Ooh. Calamity Jane. I loved the musicals. Uh-huh. You know. Um, let's see. Uh, Silverado. Loved that movie. Uh, let's see. What else? What have I um, seen? I've seen 310 to Yuma. Uh-huh. Both, uh, both versions. Uh, that one that the Coen brothers did. The, was it True Grit? True Grit, both versions. Yes, I thought that was outstanding. I thought they were both good in, in very different ways. Yeah. Um, and then The Searchers I saw in a film class, actually, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. was very interesting. Okay. Oh, my gosh. I had a great film class that I did in college. It was... Um, basically western movies and talking about how the genre adapted with the uh, political and social culture of the times and it mm. was fascinating and we, mm. we watched movies the whole time you know yeah. who is going to argue with that class like you're right getting away with something when you're watching movies exactly. in college class you know it's it's funny because when i was when i was a kid i thought westerns were boring uh-huh. like like the the kind like and I wasn't. I didn't give him a fair shake. I was a kid too, who does that. I mean, when you're a kid, who's going to be thoughtful about exploring something that isn't immediately amazing to them? Um, but yeah, same thing. Like it comes, you know, uh-huh. they were long, and they're the big shots of it, and it's just like it's so dusty. It's and, it's just uh. it's so. Uh, it was just like it took its time, and as a kid, I don't think I appreciated that as much. And now right. it's one of my number one things I appreciate about something like a western is just mm-hmm. like how much it matters where they are. Actually, it's not always true. When it's a sneaky Western, like Mark's referring to, that we're going to talk about as well, sometimes that's part of it, sometimes it's not. But, like, in a Western, we're talking, like, John Ford Westerns, John Wayne's Mm -hmm. on the Mm -hmm. screen. Mm -hmm. Like, it matters where you are. Like, that's a... It's very much... There's a poetry... Westerns Westerns are kind of an outgrowth of the American experience. Right, yeah. And, um, yeah, I've seen it seen it said that uh, westerns along with jazz are the two main artistic contributions that America has made to the world that it's hard to imagine mm. the first jazz arising anywhere but America mm. 
uh, similar the Western. Uh, there's something about the, the, the frontier experience. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Um, and, and these go back a long, lot further than you might think because it's not all cowboys and Indians and Western sagebrush and mm -hmm. whatever you might. Um, a lot of like uh, John Fenimore Cooper, I'm sorry, um, James Fenimore Cooper. James Fenimore. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, right. I was, right. Like, I was thinking there's his lot, brother. There's, 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 there's already a lot of Johns in the yeah, genre. His lesser known <laughs> brother, uh, John, who uh, never got around to writing anything. Uh, yeah, it was James Fenimore Cooper. And, uh, you know, the, the, the frontier started very close to the East Coast. <laughs> so we don't that's really think, we think of the frontier as being something, you know, points mm -hmm. west, mm -hmm. uh, west of the Mississippi. Well, it was all yeah. points, it's all points yeah. west when you start in England. Yeah, and, and, and where's, where's Northwestern University? It's in Chicago, because that was in the Northwest when it was founded. So. <laughs> That's very Go West, young You know, man. I remember reading, I've, I may have mentioned this before, but I love this kind of saying, which is that um, that uh, Americans find Europe scary because it's old, mm -hmm. and Europeans find America scary because it's big. Ah, okay. Mm. And yeah. I was like, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Like, just the fact of where, of, of the world around you can be the enemy or can be, you know. Right. Like, it mat like, like I said, it matters. Like, it matters where we're at. It's, it's a harsh, it's a harsh environment sometimes. Yeah. But it's, it's beautiful and it's like something we're trying to conquer. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing that is trying to kill you. And that you're trying to conquer. Yeah. <laughs> right. But Which is, I think I, it's, that it's like most Australia. Of... Winter have really explored the Australian Western yes. kind of oh, concept. That's, a, that's but something. Yeah. That's see, everything in Australia is trying to kill you. Yeah. And uh, same with a lot of the, the Old West. But it's interesting. The, the Westerns that I was drawn to when I was growing up, now I watched a lot of, like, whenever a movie would be on TV I, and it was a Western, sometimes I'd just stop and watch it. Um, but I, I was more drawn, drawn to, like, TV shows and, and things like that. But what was interesting about that you know, compared to what y'all are talking about is that most of the stuff that I was drawn to had a um, were were enclosed in a small community. So you okay. had your your town, uh, your your uh, your main characters within the town, and mm -hmm. all the conflicts that happened. Uh, Rawhide was about a wagon train, so that was mm -hmm. a confined in. Uh, they were on a uh, they a were on a community. journey, but it was right. a fixed community yeah. within yeah. And, each. And that's almost mm -hmm. necessary for a lot of the drama mm -hmm. because it's about mm -hmm. someone who leaves the community or comes into the community, something that is disruptive. A foreign element, right? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, and, but that means that there's something cohesive that can be disrupted. And what's really interesting is a lot of westerns, when they're films rather than rather than like a television show, which has this continuity, like a bonanza, where they're mm -hmm. uh, you know. It's like a family that you're invested in and their life and everything. Mm -hmm. But uh, I say that having never watched Bonanza. But my mom loved it. That was one of her I favorite shows. That show. um, mm -hmm. But uh, you have you have a film, and then suddenly the foreign element or the disruptor is both the bad guy and the good guy. They're both those forces, just mm -hmm. like opposing to each other. Mm -hmm. So that's always kind of interesting as well. Yeah. yeah, I just I would I would say that you would. I feel like. Even with the Western, you know, we were talking about the sneaky Western. Mm -hmm. I think Westerns are sneaky, culturally uh, aware of what's happening currently, right? So the TV shows and those types of things that we were just talking about, the bottled community, etc., uh, those were all, all 
related to what people were were dealing with or relating to on a, a in a regular basis on yeah. in the yeah I, I think in that's one society. of the one of the things that made them unattractive to me initially because I had a um, unexamined bias that westerns by kind of romanticizing a hundred years ago um, you know these uh, kind of the heyday of, of the westerns in the 60s and 70s referring back to the 1860s 70s mm-hmm. 80s 90s um, was trying to take us back to a simpler time in which you know there weren't mm-hmm. um, racial disruptions <clears throat> there weren't labor disruptions everybody there weren't the Vietnam War, and right. everybody sort of knew what to do and where their place was, and um, I, I realize now that was and yet, simplistic. That is yeah, not I was going to say, but it turns out, <laughs> but turns I was going to say, Westerns addressed all those issues. Yeah, exactly. you're totally right. And, yeah. And, but 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 Mark, it's true though, because when I first, I mean, the first, I guess, real true, I think I watched, I watched. Um, the Magnificent Seven. When I was younger, because my mother mm-hmm. wanted to watch it, mm-hmm. like the you know the it's actually not not the original to to put on my uh, my my well actually yeah well actually <laughs> glasses um, obviously Magnificent Seven being based off of the the Seven the, the Samurai, seven samurai. Mm-hmm. Um, but so but she loved it so I had watched but I watched the you know the original American Yul, version Yul, Yul Brenner version yeah right? the Yul Brenner version there you okay. go and. Um, and I actually liked it. I liked it pretty well at the time, but she she just wanted to watch it. But then when I went to college, I watched the Searchers in a class, and I, it was really interesting for me because I am, I guess, just really analytical. Sometimes films come more alive for me after the analysis, like when I think about it, mm-hmm. and it enables me to then like have that thought process and watch something mm-hmm. else and be like, yeah. oh, I see it here right, too. Right. And so then that was sort of having kind of conceptual apparatus. It was sort of a key into like being able to see the on. actual like depth of a Western. Right. Right. So yeah, Searchers, I recommend that one. That's a very interesting yes. film. Um, you know, um, Mark, you were talking about bringing back to that nostalgia kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like that that was what was a big driving force for me when I was a kid was I was very drawn into Little House on the Prairie and yeah. I read every single one of those books. I watched all the TV shows. I was I identified greatly with uh, the main character. I just feel that it wasn't my nostalgia, but I felt nostalgic when I was watching it. Right. They also addressed a lot of those issues that you were talking about in that particular TV show. Yeah. It was yeah, really well, interesting. Absolutely. And in the books, they talked about uh, uh, she had family come visit who were part of an Indian massacre. I mean, that they that had come in and and destroyed their community mm-hmm. and so you know all of course everything is written from a certain perspective right, right? you know so uh, we get things addressed from other perspectives as as mm-hmm. those get written I think that that's kind of more of a um, more modern approach to westerns right there's a there's a real nuance to mm-hmm. it and it's really interesting because first you have to find the nuance of the actual westerns that were being made and then you have to find the nuance of the voices that aren't being displayed in those westerns i remember reading a book in middle school which is called i heard the owl call my name which i don't remember the author of i apologize but um it's a it's from the perspective of uh of a guy who is that the one that I think I heard I might be mixing it up I think I heard mm-hmm. the outcome my name might be a completely different story okay. but there is one that we read that specifically <laughs> was about um, a young man who had been captured um, 
at, who was like you know a settler. He was a European. You know, his family mm-hmm. background was white mm-hmm. European. But then he had been he had been um, either captured or some, and he ended up kind of being like a captive of the Native Americans and lived with them and was absolutely adopted into the family. Spoke that language, had a Native American name that was his identification, and then he was actually through I think probably through the reservation systems and sort of like after the warring with the Native Americans, he ended up being. Uh, kind of forcibly returned to white society mm-hmm. and absolutely hated it. Like, mm-hmm. like could like felt felt absolutely foreign, foreign to him. him. Right. Just could like just nothing. Uh, there's a point in it which I remember very specifically where he contemplates uh, suicide right. because he just like he's been ripped from the life that he knows. Yeah, yeah. And there's, so, there's actually a, a phenomenon among um, missionary kids who have mm-hmm. grown up in other cultures interacting very closely with them and mm-hmm. when they come to america for the first time often to go to college or, or something um, you know their their grandparents are you know raised in north america their parents raised in north america but they were raised elsewhere and they're kind of called uh, the term is third culture kids mm-hmm. where they're not fully indigenous to where they are from but they right. america couldn't be a more foreign place to them than, right but they're yeah. perceived on the outside as if they should be should yeah, have you should know all more affinity mm-hmm. yeah right to that culture yeah. mm-hmm. and i and i i and i can't again i just referenced the book that i can't tell you the name of i heard that i'll call my name was actually i think about like a doctor or a missionary who goes and lives lives with a Native American group. Yeah. <laughs> so opposite story there. Sorry. Right. <laughs> yeah. Good luck finding either of those. Right. 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 <laughs> but but in in both cases, it's about sort of mm-hmm. what 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 are the boundaries of the group that mm-hmm. you're in? Mm-hmm. Um, what's the flow between the the two groups? Um, a, kind of a fascinating thing in uh, Hondo by uh, Louis L'Amour. That was my homework for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, wanted to go to one of the best known writers and uh, one of the earliest works. Okay. Um, is more than a hundred novels and I thought, I bet the first five or six are probably where, if, if I had to write a hundred novels, number 87 is probably mm-hmm. not gonna be as fresh as number five. Right, but, you know, yeah. Uh, that's just me. Um, and so I wanted to go kind of to the source in, in both cases. And um, there's a, uh, a lot of respect between the Apache other and the, the Westerners who are coming in to kind of settle the land that, you know, the, all these terms are very problematic. But yeah. um, the, uh, the thing that I thought was really interesting is the kind of interplay between the, the two cultures. Um, a, um, in, in, in this scene, uh, a boy and his mother, the father's kind of a, a ne'er-do-well and is off taking care of cattle. They care more about the cattle than his wife and kids. And um, the uh, native uh, leader stops and uh, is trying to figure out what to do with this woman and this kid. They shouldn't really be here. And um, the kid comes out holding a pistol that was almost as big as he was, about six years mm-hmm. old, mm-hmm. Uh, to try to protect his mother. And the, uh, the, the uh, native warrior says, uh, you are the mother of a strong son. Um, uh, it's it's a good thing he doesn't have uh, a, a father or any brothers who might raise an army of warriors as strong as he is. <laughs> and uh, she said, I, I don't have any wish to fight your people. Your people have your ways. I have mine. I'll live in peace if you leave me in peace. Um, and he was so impressed with the young boy that he walked over to them. He, he needed to find a way to save base. 
because he's not really supposed to leave them here. Right. And uh, But he was so impressed with the valor of the boy, he walked over and uh, nicked his thumb with the point of a knife and then his own, pressed them together. And he says, he is now my blood brother. I name him Small Warrior of the Moon Dog Lodge. <laughs> um, you will care for him well. And as a mother of a Chikora warrior, you may live here safely. <laughs> and so nice. he, he bridged <laughs> right. the, the, yes. the And it's funny the because cultures. the author is using something that sort of has come into the cliche of the sworn by blood or the blood brothers. But like right. you see here how that, like what the root intention of that might have yeah, been. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. and, and the intent here is not to, you know, mm -hmm. I, I said I didn't uh, read Western, so that didn't mm -hmm. mean that uh, me and my uh, other third grader that lived down the block didn't become blood brothers at some point. <laughs> yeah. When, yeah. When one of us found somebody's knife yeah. um so Ooh, the, yeah. these these things yeah this, this i don't recommend this um but um but you can see is, how, the, how these ideas kind of mm -hmm. uh, percolate mm -hmm. into society yeah it is interesting that that it's so well known even as someone who never cultivated an interest originally in westerns like you still know kind at least you think you know the broad strokes the, the yeah. imagery of it is the just hats so well known and, uh, although yeah. that speaks really more to um the, one of the reasons we know the imagery is because of the films and the television shows. I mean, yeah, the reason yeah. white hats and black hats exist is because westerns were originally in black and white, and they wanted an easy way to tell useful. who was who. Yeah. <laughs> well, the western culture was very big in starting in the fifties, sixties, etc. So even if it, you didn't ever go to a movie or yeah. see anything on TV, mm -hmm. you couldn't get away from it because it was in everything that you saw. Ad yeah. advertisements, uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, different different types of, of yeah. things. It was it was readily available, and mm -hmm. it has been inserted into our culture. Um, I will say that I um, one of my favorite books when I was a kid was a, was a Louis L'Amour book, hmm. uh, mostly because I went to go visit my grandfather or my grandparents, and I was and I was told. Um, I was told that uh, we had something on the, uh, I mean, that I could read anything that was in the bookshelves, and mm -hmm. I was just like, well, I picked some random book off the shelf, and it was called Comstock Load hmm. by Louis L'Amour, and um, it was a big, thick book, too. I mean, I don't know what attracted me to it. Maybe it was because it looked, had kind of a romantic look on the cover. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. But I did read that book and uh, and it was about these immigrants into the United States and how uh, they had a, a very, you know, disastrous uh, journey uh, with lots of death and and got separated and and they all somehow ended up in the same place in where they were doing uh you know mining for gold and all this kind of stuff and and kind of reconnected and um i loved that book so much i read it so many times mm. the cover was coming off of it and i you know felt so oh, bad wow. i mm -hmm. um but i ended but my grandfather didn't care he was like you keep it and then I ended up getting a new copy of it. I haven't read it since I bought the new copy, but it mm -hmm. is on my bookshelf. Um, yeah, but it kind of feels like you'd need to reread the old copy for it. If you're oh, going to do that. Know, it kind yeah. of would bring that, yeah. bring that nostalgia back right. to it. You know what you just reminded me of, yeah. which I haven't been thinking about through all of this, which is not a book or a movie or a television show, but it's something I grew up with in the nostalgia's Oregon Trail. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right after so playing that game computer in, game. El- in elementary school. Once again, another thing that's <laughs> in the pop culture. That, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But but you know it. It is interesting that More people Comstock... have looked up the word dysentery because oh, of that name than for probably any other reason. <laughs> yeah. Comstock Load uh, was attractive to me, I think, because there was a man and a woman on the cover and it looked kind of romantic. And um, it kind of ties into something I was discovering today when I was looking up stuff. Um, I was looking for some some authors uh, to, to kind of talk about today. And... I came across this uh, uh, this article from Book Authority called "The 37 Best Selling Western Books of All Time," mm-hmm. and I and I found that 18 of those 37 books were romances, that we were basically women had taken con- not control that's not the right word but embraced they embraced yeah. the genre. Right. And took that romanticized view of westerns and actually made romances out of them. And I think that the women's, uh, you know, women who are uh, readership, I guess that's the right way to say mm-hmm. it, um, are very attracted to that. And, and you know, women it's, buy a lot of books. It's definitely honest, one of those you know. stock, if you're talking genres, and it's not really, and I don't even necessarily mean genre because it's a romance. But like the subgenre or like the setting. So like mm-hmm. you're going to have the Regency, they're going to have contemporary stuff, you're going to have Harlequin romances. These all mean things with the time mm-hmm. periods they're set sure in. Right. And one of the major ones is Westerns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, well, it's, it's a very distinct kind of setting. Mm-hmm. Um, some stock characters, you don't have to develop everybody. The reader will you know. be able to do some mm-hmm. of the work before the author right, even right. starts. And so you have your Western set in the history, but you also have mm-hmm. modern Westerns as well that yeah, were, are, are romantic. Um, and you're going to see that in TV shows a lot more today. Uh, we have uh, Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a, we, yeah. 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 And Justified. Some Justified. Not a romance, but definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, there's that TV show that's uh, now on, I believe, Amazon Prime. Outer Range. Outer Range. Which is like, actually, this goes, I, I want to talk a little bit more throwbacks, but I will say Outer Range, I don't have a lot to say about that show itself because I've only seen about a couple episodes of it. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, is that uh, like like re- romances and westerns can can meld together so well and it makes sense the other pb and j is westerns and sci-fi mm-hmm. because yeah. like that has like a supernatural or paranormal element to it like when we're talking about sneaky westerns as soon as you say that can right. we sort mm-hmm. of tease yeah, this exactly. like gonna, i mean immediately what i that, actually grew up on Star yeah. Trek, <laughs> yeah. sneaky western, sneaky western. The original yeah. original series Star Trek mm-hmm. pitched as Wagon Train to the Stars. Exactly. <laughs> so you like, like Wagon Train, yeah. You like stars. <laughs> yeah. You love these. Yeah, people. and yeah. and it's it's so potent because in the same way that like within Space. a couple decades, the of final each other, frontier, frontier, circle <laughs> yeah. that word mm-hmm. right there. Exactly. Yep. Um, and it was just it was really interesting because like you actually see this in. Toy Story, there is no mistake in the reason that Woody the Cowboy is the first toy that Andy loves and he grew up with. It is a kind of a, it's, it's like, like a, it's like an heirloom toy that mm-hmm. probably from, you know, his grandfather's father, something like that. Right. And he loves that. And, you know, so much already there ready to go. And then what surplants him, at least partially in that first movie, a spaceman. <laughs> so exactly. like that's what happened. It, it's a, so a lot of the westerns. History. We went we went from like all the western TV shows to like well, sci-fi yeah, stuff, we, and we, stuff we, about um, um, 
uh, with Sputnik, yeah, yeah. With Sputnik, a lot of people suddenly began to either double down on westerns or begin to reevaluate. Oh, are we just navel gazing while the Russians right. are getting ahead of us? Oh yeah. Are yeah. we looking at the past or are we looking at the stars? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's it is interesting, but they work so well together. Right. Um. Like I said, the Star Star Trek definitely had a like it, it is a wagon train. It's the same group of people, mm-hmm. but they're mm-hmm. experiencing a whole mm-hmm. new. A whole new environment, a whole new group of people that you know, on different planets and different things that they've never experienced before beyond their ken. Right. Um, so I and then so you, I'm, I'm put you on the spot. We've got a, yeah. a list of sort of characteristics of traditional westerns yeah. in front okay. of you. Um, mm-hmm. Highlight some of those and show how uh, science fiction um, uses. Um, or Ooh. reinvents or, Ooh, or whatever. What an assignment. Uh, while, like you're, while you're thinking about that, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 real quickly, another place that the Western, I, I mentioned that I've been enjoying Westerns without realizing it. Um, I've become a big fan in the past couple of years of thriller novels. Mm-hmm. Um, novels of uh, David uh, Baldalci and uh, Greg Hurwitz and uh, others in, in this mm. category, John uh, uh, James Patterson, which I haven't really read as much, but um, one of the, the common characteristics of these is sort of the, the lone gunman who comes in from the outside, uh, mm-hmm. either to restore order or to disrupt order, um, if the order needs to be disrupted, if it's mm-hmm. a bad order. Um, and as I was reading uh, Hondo by Louis Lamore in 1953, publication again, I saw a sentence that just jumped off the page, and uh, I thought this could come right out of one of these you know, trained CIA assassin kind of person. And people don't know, or James Reacher, uh, Lee Child's James Reacher character, where people don't know who they're dealing with when the the, uh, protagonist comes to town. He's got skills that maybe are not apparent. You may have a certain uh, set of skills. A certain, yeah, but but under a kind of a humble, uh, I don't want, I don't make trouble. If you make trouble, there'll be trouble, kind of kind of thing. Um, Hondo pushed Pete out of range as Low, who was kind of the baddie here, started a punch. It was the wrong thing for Low to do. Basically, mm-hmm. by, by starting the, by raising his hands and starting to punch, he set off a chain of uh, very immediate uh, retribution. Right. That, mm-hmm. uh, Hondo wasn't looking for a fight, but he he answered the call. That is definitely a thing in like with westerns, like the one who's going to be the gun, lone gunman or whatever. Like they don't start the fight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't but even particularly want to necessarily, but that, they will. Right. They, they, they will do they, it. They, they, they will do finish. what is needed. They will finish yeah. it. They don't start yeah. it. They will right. finish it. Yes. Right. So yeah, I went over a couple of different things here, and I was thinking about it because I've actually uh, been uh, watching slash re-watching the original series. I grew up with Star Trek Next Generation. Mm-hmm. So, original series, I had like... Next Generation was your original series. Yes, absolutely. Right. You never <laughs> forget your first Doctor. You yeah. never forget your first Star Trek. Tom Baker, first yeah. Doctor. <laughs> but anyway. Um, but, yeah, so watching it, I had like, I had gone back some years ago and watched some of it, never, didn't actually get through the whole thing, so we went back again and now we're, we're we've been watching them. And one thing I definitely see I thought it was really interesting was, was, I mean, specifically this is, we've got here, I'm looking at this list, I'm looking at lists of common characteristics of Westerns. And so mm-hmm. descriptions of the wilderness and the vast landscapes, it's very much like every, you know, every, well, so there's a lot of desert planets because that's the set mm-hmm. they had. But, but, but it is like they're, they're, they're a lot, one thing I loved about it is along with like discovering new, new species mm-hmm. uh, was different forms of life of just the 
flora and the fauna they would get interested yeah. in and like just things they hadn't experienced before right. that's like a part right. of it and then i also one thing and this is a, this is a, th- a joke i've been making lately is i keep saying they should never station scientists on planets by themselves they all go crazy Yes, <laughs> and there's a lot of episodes because I have here like the settlers or the pioneers and things like that. Not like the, you, they'll like they'll yeah. come visit. They'll come visit like uh, a lone outpost. Yeah, uh-huh. where like a scientist and his family or a small research team is. Yeah, and every single time they started a cult, almost everybody died. Some foreign foreign thing is inhabiting them. Right. somebody went become a megalomaniac. Right. Yes. they all go crazy. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so isolation from the rest of society is very much a big and, part and of it. And we, as well. we saw that in. in Interstellar, where the mm-hmm. one of the characters who goes out uh, to see about a, a new place, that new Earths, mm-hmm. um, was left kind of alone and abandoned for so long. And when his rescuers came, he turned on them because mm-hmm. his he just wasn't thinking clearly anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a big part of it. Just the it, landscape it's gone cabin itself. Crazy. Being, yeah. uh, being uh, something to have to overcome. Right. It's a right. big. It's a big part of it. <laughs> and the lawlessness of the region and the air, every single planet. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, ta- ta- Tatooine. Yeah. Um, yes. Or yeah. Uh, you know, where they talk about, or uh, where where the pod racing? I can't remember where. Uh, that was on Tatooine. Tatooine. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so the it's idea all is, Tatooine. <laughs> there's there's this other kind of it's concept. All the desert, see? Yeah. yeah. There's this other kind of concept in, in all of literature and historical analysis of the tension between the center and the periphery. Yes. So you've got Madrid, mm-hmm. and then you've got the things out on the out, outer parts. Well, it's you've interesting. You've got Paris, and then you have the provinces. And there's a line in Star Wars where Luke is like talking to the two, uh, you know, to R2-D2 and mm-hmm. C-3PO. And C-3PO asks him, because they've been like, basically bought to work for them you know where are we right now and he's like you're on Tatooine and he's like if there's a bright center of the universe you're on the planet farthest from that's right mm-hmm. and, and, and so yeah the, the exile from Eden is, yeah. is a similar kind of phenomenon there mm-hmm. where everything that's good and important takes place in the center but you happen to yeah. get here on the outskirts mm-hmm. where there's no the law, outer the outer rim make. yeah um in uh uh, uh oh uh Oh, you, what, I was thinking about fireflies. Another one. Uh, exactly, yes, yeah, that's been going through my head. So and that's the one. I mean, like, this. if we're talking about it, like, that's the mm-hmm. one that, like, specifically puts it on display. They literally have, and they would have in their opening credits them riding horses, and then there's a spaceship in the background. <laughs> yes, it tells you no, what that story they, about. They right. embrace the whole Western spaceship, yeah, story, mm-hmm. and uh, they they had the guns on their hips. They had the mm-hmm. whole. Uh, you know, going into different environments, which were definitely a lot more uh, uh, remote, and and uh, you can only do things with horses, like you were mm-hmm. talking about, or whatever. Yeah. yeah they so, still had some trains and things, like they were more high tech, but it was still yeah. the most efficient way to get like supplies were, and medicine across. Well, there, there's a, a they were good-hearted bandits, you know. Yeah, yeah. there's a huge tend of good-hearted bandits because ties yeah. in perfectly with what I was yeah. about to say. There's a, a big tension in Western literature between what is justice that the justice system can deliver versus what is justice that can be handled by a good man in a bad situation. Um, Yeah, Yeah, that is a prevalent theme is that 
uh, yeah, if we wait going for justice, against the man kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, like one of my favorite, I really enjoyed like the Die Hard series. Mm-hmm. And again, there's no, like this was like an ad lib, I believe, by Bruce Willis, but it's really not a mistake that one of his, that he would, and I'm not going to say the whole thing, but yeah. he's not yeah. family friendly, yeah. but yippee Kaye is what yes. he was, what he's, you know, he sort of became a, a, mm-hmm. a tagline of this, of that series. And I also mm-hmm. like, but more telling is the, the idea of the, you know, the wrong guy in the wrong place at the wrong time. Like yeah. that's like the definition sometimes. Like one of the bad guys literally Absolutely. says that about him. And there's a conversation in the fourth one where a guy who's like helping him, a younger guy who's helping Bruce Willis's character, uh, is like talking to him about. He's like, "You're that guy who does this." And he's like, "I'm not that guy." And Bruce Willis is like, "You don't want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. That you know all these things. You know you get beat up. You might get divorced. All these things." And he's like, "But what?" So he so the younger guy asked him well, why are you doing this? And he mm-hmm. said, because there's nobody else right now. If there was, right. I'd let them do it, but there's not, so I'm going to do so it. And he says, that's what makes you that guy. He's frontier justice Yeah. in, in the absence of justice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. yippee ki right. All right, well, I have a question for you guys. So uh, we've kind of established, we do this often in podcasts, that I'm old. And <laughs> one of the reasons why I'm as attracted to now, Westerns. Podcasts didn't make you old. No, no, we've established it in the podcast. Sometimes, as it it does with me. Yes. I think it's just, I mean, none of us is a spring chicken. But I was just going to say, though, that my exposure to Westerns, I think, they they were a lot more prevalent when I was younger, right? Mm -hmm. As you were growing up, you, uh, Miranda, you were not. You didn't have as much they were of that. Of curiosities they of the were past. more curiosities of the past, and so I do see that we try to revitalize it every once in a while, but it's just not the same. You'll have the one-off. Yeah, it's not they, the same. They remade theme, Magnificent the Seven, same. which was okay. Yeah, it was it was fine. They did Three Ten to Yuma, which I thought was really good. Mm-hmm. They did True Grit, which both are. It was excellent, and I think mm-hmm. both are actually very good films for different mm-hmm. reasons because mm-hmm. yeah. there was an original one with John John uh, John Wayne, John Wayne yeah. uh, as well. But uh, but yeah. where do you see the future of this genre? Because I don't see this genre the way it has the uh, historically been. Yeah, they often yeah. call it a dead genre. Yeah. yeah. Well, Which, you see, the thing is, it, it it morphs and it takes on new identities. Um, mm-hmm. One of the um, let me. Why don't you say something while you stop yeah. for time? Because well, there's, there's a book that I that I almost up? yeah. Yeah. So well, I was inspiring him to look it up. <laughs> well, I will, I will say no, it's true. I think I think about that a lot with stuff because I, I was having a conversation with another colleague of ours mm-hmm. um, who's younger than me. <laughs> so, so so probably so, has even less yeah, connection less sort to, of connection to it. Probably never even yeah. seen any version of a western really. And I'm like, I mean, mm-hmm. you have seen a western. You just don't know you've seen a Western. Right. Like, there's a lot of stuff. As, the sneaky Western, that, that's what I think it is now. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, I think you'll have the one-off of stuff. I think it's always going to be a flash in the pan that, like, it's going to, like, um, Pirates being as a genre. And then Pirates of the Caribbean was just, like, yeah, we're here. But then we were, like, yeah, we love Pirates well, the, the, for a while. And then it's gone again. But I do also think, too, that even Westerns in today's society is going to be... Um, uh, you're going to have more anti-Western, even though it's set in the West, right? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people are going to be looking at it as if uh, uh, 
you know, it's not really embracing the Western. It's kind of throwing the Western on its heels and really... Or the parody. Yeah, like, the parody. Like, I will say, far more people probably, and even this is getting older now, far more people probably seen Blazing Saddles than, like, straight up right. Right. Westerns. Right. You know, the, I, you the know Mel, what? I've the, never seen Blazing Saddles. Oh. The Mel Brooks one. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I recommend it. I have seen it, it in also, a while. There's it, probably things I'd say, eh, maybe... Yeah, maybe it's a little dated in some points in it but Mm -hmm. it but it has the viewpoint of showing you other people in the west Mm -hmm. that you're not seeing in all the other western films it's true and it just feels prescient in a way that like wasn't making the point even in the time period it was being made because it like from the 70s Mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah. so um think about the the future of the western um some of the the common elements you'll see coming out in different ways so uh cormac mccarthy is kind of a contemporary writer Mm-hmm. But he does sort of this, uh, the lawlessness of the era and the, the importance of the wilderness and vast landscapes and so forth. Um, one book that I came across this week um, in preparation is called Battleborn by Claire Bay Watkins. And um, this was a National Book Foundation 535 fiction winner. Um, and here's the description. Uh, Like the work of Cormac McCarthy, Dennis uh, Johnson, Richard Ford, Annie Prolix, Battleborn represents a near-perfect confluence of sensibility and setting, the introduction of exceptionally powerful literary voice. In each of these ten stories, she writes her way into the mythology of the American West, utterly reimagining it. Her characters orbit around vast spaces, winning redemption despite hardship and violence, the arrival of a foreigner transforms the exchange um, and so forth. And this is set all in Nevada. Uh, Battleborn apparently is one of the mottos of, of Nevada. And so these are stories set in contemporary Nevada but have the sensibility of Westerns mm-hmm. okay. um, and uh, sort of illustrating how uh, you know the fierce undis- undefeated spirit of her home state um, echoes, you know, from the old West all the way through contemporary issues. Yeah, I mean, you'll see that definitely out of range, justified as well. The the ethos of it, the mythos stands. Um, Walker, well. Texas Ranger. Walker, te- yeah, absolutely, absolutely, Walker, mm-hmm. Texas Ranger. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I guess, I guess the point is that westerns never really died. They definitely morphed. And to be fair, even when westerns were just westerns, they were never just westerns they always had something to say yeah. oh that's an excellent point yeah. Be- that so, that definitely goes with what i was saying earlier about it reflecting the current uh, uh whatever uh social uh, uh issues issues or, or, or whatever conversations that are, yeah. conversations that are happening so, so in society kind of, just kind of in closing um mm-hmm. one of the things that you know i stayed away from westerns for a long time because i thought i knew what they were and i I'd I'm, I'm so looking forward to reading another Louis L'Amour novel. Yay! Maybe um, it will become so Yeah. Ooh, open, yeah. That would sound interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, kind of opened my perspective. And some of the writing was just amazing, um, just in terms of the mm-hmm. sentences and the, the phrasing and so forth. Um, but one of the um, one of the things, one of the Westerns I had enjoyed, and now I want to go back and find the short story for it, um, the man who shot Liberty Valance. Mm. And what's so great about this is it's basically a Western that is exploring the myth of the Western. Mm. Um, someone who uh, has won this fame for being uh, uh, this uh, 
you know, this, this, this right. great hero. Mm -hmm. And as it is explored in greater and greater depth, well, the myth doesn't really match what actually happened. Mm -hmm. right. And uh, this is kind of the deconstructing. And mm -hmm. so, you know, this was a, a short story in a film from the 50s, and they mm -hmm. were already mm -hmm. sort of deconstructing their own genre by saying, you know, uh, you hear all these stories of, uh, of these great things. Well, who, do, who exactly did you hear them from? Was it the gunfighter himself who's reporting this? And right. Maybe mm -hmm. there's things maybe more complicated than that. Mm -hmm. and yeah. Maybe the, he wasn't a hero. Maybe he was a goat or a, or a coward. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so I, he's I, just I the one who gets to tell the story. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah, history is told by the winners, mm -hmm. uh, whether it is accurate or not. And if we ever dip more into this, is something I just want to give a quick shout out to is the spaghetti westerns, which are the myth of the American West told from huh. directors who are not American. That's right. correct. Yes. <laughs> So that's something so maybe get, we can touch on again that, some other time. Morphs and, and changes. How and so other people see America. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, before I, I get started with the end, I would like to just throw these words out. Uh, I would like to say Tombstone. Okay. Uh, yeah. Alias Smith and Jones. Um, here Ma come the brides. Maverick. <laughs> Maverick. Uh -huh. Yeah, let's so, just list all the Westerns. You know, right now. all these things <laughs> that I grew up with watching. So, yeah. okay. Thank you for listening to Shelf Check. Music for the podcast is Wonderful Adventures by Julian Von Arb under license from First Calm Music, Inc. Production and editing by Stephen McQuay, and thanks to Arlington Public Library system and staff. And special thanks for the amazing human ability to have open minds and to re-examine prejudices, um, without which I would never have read this amazing novel um, in a genre that I didn't think I liked. You see, we're opening your world. Westerns, romances, let's see what's next. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thank you, everyone.